Welcome back to the Fast Lane on this Monday afternoon. We typically cover the Commonwealth on Monday with no Ed here. And uh, we, uh, we're changing things up. We're going a little bit more in-depth this week with some of our Covering the Commonwealth colleagues. And uh, one of those people is obviously my good friend David Cunningham, the nickname I gave him in college, Youngblood DC. Uh, he just came off of uh, the program in Blacksburg, The Drive, the one that I was formerly a part of uh, a while ago. Uh, but David, first of all, it's, it's good to hear from you. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Good to hear from you, too. Hope you enjoyed the beach last week. I did. I did. I did have some fun. How was uh, ACC kickoff? It was great. It was great to catch up with Ed. Uh, I know he had a, a blast being down there. It was. It's always fun to go to these events because you have an opportunity to, to catch up with all of the media from around the conference and really get a sense of all of the big storylines uh around the ACC, feel out how the different teams might look this year, and honestly just kind of be together after after all summer being apart. Of course, basketball season will start up in November as football season's winding down, and that's another great opportunity to do the same. But it was an awesome time and great hospitality from the ACC as always. Uh, yeah, and before we talk about football, I want to get your thoughts on the the Kenny Brooks extension. I I just stated, uh, you know, moments ago before we went to break that Kenny Brooks is kind of entering a very unique spot as a coach at Virginia Tech with, you know, true national championship aspirations. Where uh, you you could really just go back to to Frank Beamer is the last guy to really kind of have this sense of a team that is been built to win a national championship and Kenny Brooks is sitting there as one of the highest paid coaches in the country and uh, those expectations are, are real. Yeah, I think back to the stat that there are only three Virginia Tech teams that have ever played for a national semifinal in any sport. One of those was Kenny Brooks and Virginia Tech women's basketball this past March. Uh, the other two were men's and women's soccer uh, in 2007 and 2013, respectfully. And then, obviously, you have Virginia Tech football, who played for a national championship in the 99 season. Those are probably the four greatest Virginia Tech athletics teams of all time, and one of them just happened. And, obviously, you extend Kenny Brooks as a result. We knew it was going to happen. Um, our colleagues, my, my colleague Andy Bitter for Tech Sideline, he chatted with uh, director of athletics with Babcock back in April. David Teal did the same of the Richmond Times Dispatch. And both times, Witt said, Yes, we're going to extend Kenny Brooks. It's a well deserved extension. It came out in late July, but it's finally announced. And, and he now, uh, Trey, he's now going to be one of the highest 15 paid coaches in the country, I believe. That's from my research. And I believe he's only the second highest paid coach in the ACC behind Louisville's Jeff Walls. So Brooks has entered an elite company now, which is, is really because of all of the success he's been able to have in Blacksburg. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Let's, let's talk about a team trying to find success. That's the, the Virginia Tech football team. And uh, this past weekend they had, I guess, what's called Hokie Fest. If you, you saw the, the tweets about it, uh, a big recruiting weekend. Uh, it, it seemed like the big team bonding weekend as they head near uh, fall practice coming up in the coming days. Uh, 
They pick up two commitments, one in the 24 class, Webb Davidson, a, an offensive lineman, their 17th commit in this class. Uh, talk about him. I know you, you, you wrote about it a little bit. You talked about it a little bit already, but uh, how big was it to get another, you know, big offensive lineman to, to the add to this class? I think it's big. Anytime you can get guys that are in, in anywhere from 6'2 and, and that big to 6'7", those guys are the toughest people to probably to find um, in the United States to recruit, right? And and the Hokies just picked up another one. Um, Davidson, he's from Georgia, and that's an area that the Hokies have not yet explored in this class until he committed to Virginia Tech. So that's a positive. Uh, the, the radius continues to be extended a little bit, um, and the Hokies continue to kind of use every single aspect of that. I think I'm very curious to see what happens with the rest of the offensive line class. I don't know if Tech is done for now, but that's the third offensive lineman. I could totally see a situation where Ron Crook and Virginia Tech say, okay, we don't need to take any more offensive linemen in this class. Like you said, Trey, up to 17 commitments in the 2024 class. It's getting to be a really, really talented group. The problem is that you might run into some scholarship issues down the line if you continue to add on. But I do think it was a really big commitment. Um, I think Davidson has he, – he's probably a guy that's going to come in and redshirt a little bit. Uh, but I do think that in the future he, he and Aiden Lynch um, and the other guys of this class on the offensive line can, can really make a, a name for themselves in Blacksburg. I'm very curious to see what happens – with uh, Ron Crook in his first year uh, as the offensive line coach at Virginia Tech, too, and how the Hokies kind of improved in that area because that was one of the big places they struggled in last season. In the words of uh, your your colleague Andy Bitter, is TX to VT back with the commitment of uh, three-star quarterback Keldon Ryan? It's a possibility. I, I, I think it's really interesting. I'm curious to hear the story behind the commitment. Brent Pry has said multiple times that the Hokies will not really go out out of uh, out of their footprint to get a commitment. Well, they went all the way down to Texas to get this one. He's a, he's a quarterback, 2025 class, first commitment of Texas 2025 class. What makes this kid unique, and, and what what is his connection to Virginia Tech? That's something I don't know yet. Uh, I'm sure our Jason Stame, our recruiting writer, is – is working to get in touch with him and find out more information. But Texas 2VT could possibly be back. I don't think of this magnitude. But, Trey, you, you start to see – you've started to see Tech has evaluated very, very well uh, around just the, the entire country. Obviously, the recruiting footprint, um, it's, it's not more than a six-hour radius. That's what Brent Pry likes to describe it as. So it's not like the Okies are going all over the place. To, to pick up commitments, but you'll notice that it's not just one area, right? It's, you're sure Tech has a lot of Virginia kids now on, on the roster, but the Hokies have a kid from Texas that'll come in in 2025. They've got kids from Georgia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. It, it seems like they, are, they have a great recruiting reach, and if you listen to any of our podcasts on TechSideMind.com or read any of our stuff, you'll know that Chris Coleman – my colleague is, has talked about it many times that he believes this is the best recruiting staff since at least 
2010, if not longer than that, which dates back into like the, the prime years of the Frank Beamer era. So this staff has, has really killed it on the recruiting trail. Yeah, looking at it now, they're currently ranked 36th uh, in the 247 composite for the 2024 class uh, with, you know, two four stars, which you want to call, they could call quote unquote blue chip prospects. And uh, it, they, they got to feel really good about this class a lot in the state of Virginia as well. It's something that that was a focus of this team. But let's let's shift our focus a little bit to the 2023 Virginia Tech Hokies, who uh, you can listen to all their games all season right here on CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg, the app 93.3 FM and also VTR in Southside 106.3 FM. Uh I want to start with the offense. Uh, we, we'll talk to you later this week about the defense, but uh, how big of a test is this for offensive coordinator Tyler Bowen, who obviously uh, was a first-year play caller last year, gets shifted as the quarterback coach this year. Uh, this is his second year you know, calling plays for the team. Um, what what are your expectations you know, for the, for the development, truly, of the play caller in, in Tyler Bowen? The biggest thing is in my opinion, is that Virginia Tech's coaches are all on the same page. There seemed to be times last year where Tyler Bowen, the offensive coordinator, he was the tight ends coach, and he was not in sync with Brad Glenn, who was formerly the quarterback's coach, or Joe Rudolph, who used to be the offensive line coach. There seemed to to be a little bit of uh, uh, a, a mis- ma- mismatch Alignment. That, that trio. Yeah. The key I, I, word in college coaching. Yeah. They just didn't seem to be aligned. Rudolph and Glenn have now gone their own separate ways. Can Tyler Bowen, who is now the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator, run this like he wants to run it? Can the Hokies finally hit their stride? I do think it's a really, really big test for Tyler Bowen. If Tech succeeds this year, a lot of it will be, could be because – he figured everything out. If the Hokies don't succeed, then the questions come back to him. This is a huge prove-it year for Tyler Bowen. And in a lot of ways, he really has all the tools now, except for maybe offensive line. Uh, the Hokies are still trying to, to kind of retool that spot. And um, Jesse Hansen, he medically retired, played a lot of years for Tech on the offensive line at left guard. Uh, he announced that he's medically retiring from football, so that's another uh, big-time performer that the Hokies are going to lose, somebody with a lot of experience. But how does this offensive line look under Ron Crook? I think that's the biggest question right now. People will talk about the quarterbacks, but I think whatever quarterback starts is better positioned for uh, this upcoming season because of the weapons around them at wide receiver, at running back. Um, tight end room is still pretty good. Offensive line you would think that's going to improve. So, yes, this is a big year for Tyler Mullen. The tools seem to be there. Can the Hokies put everything together and start to have success? That, that's the biggest question. David, we must spend way too much time together over our past because you uh, you, you read my mind to my next question. Obviously, the, the retirement of Jesse Hansen. Not ideal. Uh, we hope that after his next surgery, you know, he, he has a, a good recovery and stays healthy. What? Where do you assess the offensive line depth, and are are you are you hoping that uh, it's something that you know was kind of a strength of this team before last season was 
their ability along the offensive line, and it, it seemed to just kind of take a huge dip last season. I, I will say this. I think Vance Vice, the former offensive line coach under Justin Fuente, did a great job at building depth on the offensive line. He was fantastic at having six or seven guys that were really, really good, if not eight or nine. The Hokies have not been able to do that. I think the cupboard's been a little bit bare. I, I'm curious to get Ron Crook's thoughts when we speak with him next Tuesday at, uh, at Text Media Day about where he feels like the Hokies are on the offensive line. Have the guys who redshirted last season, have they made progress? For example, a Johnny Garrett. That's a name probably not a lot of people know, uh, but, but he was a solid prospect out of high school. He's a guy who redshirted last year. Are those guys ready to contribute if needed? I, I'm, I'm, I'm still a little iffy about Virginia Tech's offensive line depth. I think the Hokies really only have five, maybe six. But uh, what I would say is I think across the board, the caliber of those guys – is not necessarily as high as it could be. Um, I, I think a handful of them, Brayden Moore, Caden Moore, uh, Parker Clements, are all in really good positions, and, and they've been solid guys for the Hokies now for a couple of years. What happens at tackle? Um, is, it, is it Xavier Chaplin? What happens at guard? Does Clayton Frady, who transferred in from Gardner-Webb, he was an FCS All-American, does he slide in there? Uh, is it Bob Schick, right? There are a bunch of different questions that need to be answered on the offensive line. Uh, and and I, that's really, I think, going to determine how Virginia Tech's season goes offensively. Because if Tech has an offensive line that can block for two talented running backs in Bashal Tootin and Malachi Thomas, or hold, you know, hold their own uh, blocks and, and pass coverage, well, you've got really three talented wide receivers that transferred in this offseason, that doesn't even count the really talented wide receivers that were already on the roster and are now a year older and have another year of experience. It all comes down to the offensive line, in my opinion. I think Tech's depth is slowly getting better. I don't know if it'll be enough, to be honest, this year. But we will see, and we'll find out more. Obviously, we'll have you covered a Tech sideline for that uh, over the next couple weeks, especially after we speak with Ron Crook uh, next Tuesday at Media Day. At the real D Cunna on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it now, uh, David Cunningham from TechSideline.com. You can also follow him. Use the same one to follow him on Instagram as well. He'll he'll keep you updated wherever social media goes. Maybe even Threads at this point. Uh, y- y- let's get to the flashiness of the offense or the flashy headline when it comes to the Virginia Tech offense. The quarterback battle, obviously, uh, it is still a quarterback competition. Grant Wells, the incumbent, Kyron Drones, the the transfer from Baylor. Uh, if you could handicap the uh, the competition, where where would you uh, where would you put it? Okay, so let me get this straight. I'm not a golf. I am not a golf guy by any means. What what by by handicap? I'm talking about mean, Vegas terms. Like it, who's the favorite? Like who? Like oh okay. If, if uh, like for example, like Ollie Jennings is the minus twenty thousand starting wide receiver favorite. Like that that sort of thing. Okay, I got. Oh, okay. you mean in terms of betting terms? Yes. Uh, yeah, I I would put. I I think it's Grant Wells. I would say minus two fifty maybe. Uh-huh. Uh, I I think the battle be closer than people think. 
I think Drones has a lot of athleticism. He's got some attributes Wells doesn't. Wells has attributes he doesn't. Uh, it'll be really interesting to follow this battle. I, I would lean towards Wells because he's the incumbent. He's been in college for a really long time. He understands the system. And he didn't really have many weapons around him last year. No, he did not have a great year, but he didn't have much help. I think if he's got a little bit more help, like he should this year, he's going to be in a better spot. Can Kyron Jones challenge him for it? Absolutely. That's going to be, I, in my, that's going to be, of course, the biggest topic people talk about over the next couple of weeks uh, in Virginia Tech's preseason camp. I'm going to keep an eye on it because I think offensive line is still the most important question, how the Hokies are shaping up there. But it's going to be really interesting to see how Wells and Drones kind of move ahead of one another or, or where they are week to week. Um, I think that's going to be a really good competition, and I do think drones can push for it, but I would lead Wells if I had to simply because he has more experience. And This is his second year in the Virginia Tech system. Kyron Jones just enrolled in January, so he didn't have as much time in there as Wells does. Would you expect maybe both to play against ODU with kind of the quote-unquote final decision being made set up for that September 9th game against Purdue where, you know, against ODU, which this game's at home and not – uh, at ODU that against an ODU team that frankly has very low expectations this year um, that lost a lot and we'll talk about one player they lost in a moment um, what like would you expect both of them maybe to play that first game and and kind of treat it like uh, the you know the final showcase for both of them I think you could my gut feel tells me that they will make a decision before that Uh I, I don't think Brent Pry likes to uh, – last year at least, he, he liked to name a starter before the, game, the season started. And I can completely understand why. Let's everybody be on the same page and understand where everybody else is at. If I had to guess, my, I would say the Hokies probably will name one before then. But I tell you what, it would not shock me if come September 2nd, Grant Wells and Kyron Jones both have an, a big impact. They both see a lot of the field. I, could Virginia Tech have a two-quarterback system? Sure. I don't know if it's what I would recommend, and I don't. I couldn't tell you when the two-quarterback system has worked in the past at college at the college football level. But it would not shock me. I, I don't think anything at this point really shocked me with Wells and Drones, simply because I think they're both kind of on an even playing field. Before we before we let you out here, real quick, uh, let's talk about the upgrades at, at the weapons. Ollie Jennings, obviously the headline there. Uh, this is a very intriguing, you know, pass catching group with with the running back depth, the the wide receiver depth now added. This was a this was a group last year that fi- kind of was now the weak point of this offense is, has really turned into the strength. Yeah, I think. Fontel Mines has done a fantastic job with that group. There were a lot of young guys that didn't really have any experience at all that were still trying to find their way mixed in with one or two guys here or there, including Caleb Smith. Um, Caleb Smith was the veteran of the group. He's gone now. But in his stead, uh, up steps Ollie Jennings from Old Dominion, Daquan Felton from Norfolk State. Uh, Jalen Lane from Middle Tennessee. Those guys all have experience at this level. They they were all arguably the best receiver on their own team. And now they're all at Virginia Tech. That doesn't even include 
guys like Dewan Lofton and Tucker Holloway and Stephen Gosnell, guys that are coming along that have now been in the in the system for a year or two. Um, I think that's going to be a really, really strong group. And if the Hokies can get them the ball, if whatever quarterback has enough time and protection to, to distribute, I think that's going to be a, a, a really big advantage for the Hokies. Um, now, we'll have to see how it all shakes out. Obviously, there can be injuries, but on paper, it looks like the Hokies have a really strong wide receiver group, which is a big positive considering where it was last year at the beginning of the season. David, my man, thanks so much for joining me this week. Before I let you go, I want to let you uh, plug your stuff uh, as uh, season is right around the corner. Yeah, go to techsideline.com. Become a subscriber today. You can find our Tech Sideline podcast wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the real uh or I guess X, as, as we call it now. Uh, and you can follow us on Tech Sideline, at Tech Sideline. Uh, Trey, pleasure having I appreciate you having me on. Uh, Bum that Ed's not here, but I hope he's enjoying the beach. And uh, it was great to chat with you for an extended period of time today. It was a lot of fun. We'll preview the defense later in the week. How's that sound, my friend? That sounds good to me, man. Talk to you then. Sounds like a plan. That was David Cunningham from TechSideline.com. Another guy I'm friends with as well as uh, I worked w- work with now, uh, Michael Massey, FrenchStretch.com, content director. We'll talk all things Richmond in a matter of moments to wrap up the fast lane here on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and 93.3 FM, 1320 AM.